Thank you, Pam. That beautiful song, Your Name. Well, let's take our Bibles and look at Genesis 15 tonight before we observe the Lord's Supper. How God strengthens our faith. And we see, I think, a good example of that here in Genesis 15. We continue to look at some of the events in the life of Abram, who would become Abraham. And here we find an unusual encounter Abraham had with God. And we see how he strengthened Abraham's faith. I believe that's what's going on here. And he did it in the midst of questions. He did it in the face of the unknown. It's not unusual for us to be at a time in our life where we have questions for God. And, you know, it doesn't mean that we don't trust God when we have questions. It doesn't mean that we are doubting God. It can mean that, but it doesn't have to mean that. Sometimes questions just naturally arise when we don't understand exactly why something's happening as it is or how something is going to be able to work out. It doesn't mean we're saying God can't do what's best or that we doubt his presence or his goodness or his existence. We just have some questions. And here we see Abraham had had a question for God. And I don't think he, he had it in the sense of something very negative, but he, he wondered what was going to happen. How could it work out, the promise of God? And it's unusual, it's interesting how God responded to that question. And we can, I think, learn a lot from it. Because God uh, did hear very much what Jesus did uh, when he was on the earth and people would ask him a question. You remember how many times people would ask Jesus a question? And what did Jesus often do? He didn't answer their question. He would respond in a different kind of way. He would give them an answer, but he wasn't answering directly the question they asked. He would tell them what they really needed to hear. And that's what God is always faithful to do. He's not always faithful to directly give us an answer to the question we demand that he answer. But he will answer us. And often the way he does it is he tells us what we really need. We need something more than the answer that we think we need more than anything else. And I think we see that here with Abraham. Follow with me as I read Genesis 15 beginning at verse 7. We finished with verse 6 a week ago. Verse 7. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? So he said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Then he brought all these to him and cut them in two down the middle and placed each piece opposite the other. But he did not cut the birds in two. And when the vultures came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. 
Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And behold, and behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Then he said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, and will serve them, and they will afflict them four hundred years. And also the nation whom they serve I will judge afterward. They shall come out with great possessions. Now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall return here. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I have given this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenites, the Kenazites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Gergesites, and the Jebusites. That's a lot of sites there. All of the people who were in the land at that time. Let's consider together how God responded to this question. The question Abram asked, if you look there in verse 8, Lord God, how shall I know? that I will inherit it. God had promised him that his descendants would inherit the land of promise, the land that God had said he would give them. And Abram asked a very normal question. I don't think it was a doubtful question. He was just saying, how's this going to happen? I mean, he knew where he was, and he knew all the people that were in that land at the time, and so he asked the question, how is this going to work out? How am I going to be able to inherit it? And the way that God responded was not a direct answer to that question. He told him again he was going to inherit it. He told him uh, a time frame in which it would happen, but he really never said exactly how it was going to all work out, just that it would work out. But in the interim, first he says, bring me. And then he has a list of things he wants him to bring. God strengthened Abram with his presence. This is what this story is about. God strengthened Abram here in this unusual account with his presence. Someone has said it's almost like a break in the text when you move from the question that Abram asked to the response that God gave. It would appear at first that there's no connection between the question and what God was now telling Abram to do. The question, how can I know that I will inherit it or gain possession of it? And God gives Abram instructions to do something that would be done by two important people who were establishing a covenant between themselves. The Lord asked Abram, bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. You see, Abram understood this request from God to mean that God wanted to establish a covenant with him. And that's exactly what he did. 
So Abram brought all of these things before the Lord. He cut them in two. He arranged the halves opposite each other. He didn't cut the birds in two, but rather put the dove on one side and he put the pigeon on the other side. And then Abram spent the rest of the day keeping the vultures, the birds of prey, from carrying the meat away. So when you're driving down the road and you see off in the distance, you see the, you see the buzzard circling, right? I guess that's been going on for thousands of years, hasn't it? And so Abram spent the rest of the day keeping those vultures from carrying the meat away. And when the sun was setting, as we read through the passage, a deep sleep, God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Abram. It wasn't just a normal sleep of being tired, but this was God at work, a supernatural kind of sleep, because it says that he, if you look in verse 12, and behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. So this was some kind of a, of a, a state that God put him in to be able to see and to hear what God wanted him to. To understand and God spoke to him in the middle of that dreadful darkness he saw something amazing he saw a smoking uh, pot a smoking fire pot and a blazing torch that appeared and it moved mysteriously between the the sever the the the, the pieces of the meat that he had arranged when you see fire appear in the Old Testament like this, what does it usually represent? The presence of God, right? Think about the pillar of fire that went before the people. Think about the burning bush that appeared to Moses. God in his presence was there. And what Moses had carried out, what God had told him to do in arranging these animal sacrifices like this it seems so strange to us it's foreign to our culture but in that day in that culture this is what people did when they made a a covenant when two people made a covenant together they would carry out this kind of uh, a ritual and here this is what God was doing with Abraham and in the middle of those pieces that he had arranged came the presence of God God let Abraham know that he was there with him. His presence was there. And I think he did that because he wanted Abram to see that more than uh, knowing day every day exactly what was going to happen, which is what we tend to want to do, what he needed more than anything was to know that God was there. God, the eternal God, the holy God, was present with him and that made it okay whatever he had to face God was going to go with him and was going to provide what he needed Abram understood that the sovereign Lord was coming to manifest himself in his very midst what he saw in this darkness was the presence of God himself Reminded by the flaming fire that God, the same God who had called him from Ur of the Chaldees, that same holy God was now with him and would be with him 
in the future. God is still present. He's present with us. The same God who made that fire appear in the midst of those animal sacrifices is the God who loves you and me and is present with us. And we may cry out to God sometimes. How? How is this going to work out? How am I going to get through this? How am I going to face what I'm having to face? And God, rather than giving us a very specific point-by-point, minute-by-minute answer of everything that's going to happen, God is saying, I am with you always. I am present with you. And you know what? His presence is more important than anything else. The older I get, the more I have that strong conviction. It's the presence of God that is more important than anything else. And because we have faith in Jesus Christ, he is present with us and we are present with him. And someday, what's going what's to remain when we breathe our last on this earth and when we step into heaven what's going to be dominating there the presence of God the presence of God more than anything we've ever experienced on this earth when we are in heaven we're going to be in the face-to-face presence of God and so presence is so very important it's important for us to be present with one another. And it's important that we understand that God is present with us. One writer said about this passage, God's response may well be simply to come close and give you a fresh encounter of his holy presence. You may not need a work of God in your life as much as you need God in your life. We look for a work of God, but it's really God we need. We're always asking God to do something, but what we need more than anything else is God himself. And I think that's what God is saying to Abram. But he does then give some more information about how things would work out, just not, not maybe what Abram was hoping for. What God did was he widened his perspective. It's like he zoomed out. You know, have, if you have a, uh, a camera, sometimes you can zoom out and you can get a much broader view. And now we've got the drones, you know, that go up and, and can give you a perspective from above. Here is, this is what God does. I mean, Abram asked, how am I going to be able to inherit this land? And what God does is he zooms out here and he gives Abram a 10,000 foot perspective of how all of this was going to take place. And he says some amazing things here. In the midst of that darkness... He expanded on the promise. He gave, he he fleshed it out. He gave more detail about what was going to happen between that moment and when the people would inherit the land. The promise had been that God would give him the land of Canaan as a possession. 
But in this deep sleep, God actually expanded on the promise. Several things. Number one, a promise would be fulfilled in his descendants. When God gave the promise, even though it was given to an individual, Abram, the actual fulfillment might be delayed. And it was going to be delayed in terms of time. Between the life of Abram and the fulfillment of the promise, he tells us several things here. If you go back to verse uh, 13, Then he said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, and will serve them, and they will afflict them four hundred years. Now, that's exactly what happened, isn't it? You know, there are liberal, uh, some lib uh, many liberal commentators who read this verse, and they, from this verse, they will say, oh, someone must have written about this long after all of that came to pass because there's no other way that the writer could have known about this. Well, you know, there is the supernatural, right? God here was prophesying what was going to happen, that the people would be taken captive where? In Egypt. And they were captive there for 400 years, weren't they? And God did deliver them from the people of Egypt. And he did then destroy the Egyptian army. So God lays out here, hundreds of years before it happened, what was going to take place. And he fleshes out how this promise would be fulfilled. And, you know, there's no way Abram could have possibly understood all of this, what God was saying to him, because he didn't know what country that was going to be and how all that was going to work out. So really, when God answered this question, he didn't give Abram any more today specifics than Abram had before this moment, but he broadened his perspective. He let Abram know that there's a whole lot more going on, Abram, in the plan of God than just you and just today. And we have to remember that. When we are waiting on God for an answer, we need to remember that God sees everything from way before we were ever born to long after we're going to be gone. And God knows all of how everything will fit together. And that's why we just need to trust him. His presence, His plan, His goodness. God would inflict judgment on the nation that enslaved them. I will punish that nation that they serve as slaves. And that's what He did to Egypt, of course. God would bring His people into possession of the land after the 400 years of suffering. And afterward, they will come out with great possession. And you remember when they went out of Egypt? It says they took all kinds of possessions with him. Abram would die at a ripe old age without ever actually receiving the land. His descendants would receive it, though. You, however, will go to your fathers in peace and be buried at a good old age, God told him. 
God had to wait for the sin of the Amorites to reach its full measure before he expelled them from the land. And so, in other words, in God's time, he knew when this was going to happen. But there were a lot of other things that were going to have to take place before the actual fulfillment of the promise. Now, when you read this, you can see why we as Christians are the most supportive people on earth of the people of Israel because God gave them that land. He promised that to Abraham, and he fulfilled that promise, and he's still fulfilling that promise today. That land belongs to the people of Israel. It is a solemn promise of God And over many, many centuries and thousands of years, God has kept that promise. And he will keep that promise until the end of time. And so people sometimes say, well, why do you Christians support the Jews? They don't believe in Jesus. So why do you support Israel? We support Israel because God supports Israel, right? It's his plan. It's his promise. And so we stand with God in the promise that he made. And I think we always should until Jesus returns. To Abram, this seemed like a simple and straightforward promise. I will give you the land to take possession of it. But when God began to explain to him how all this was going to work out, it was far more complicated than Abram could have ever understood. And you know what? It's usually that way in our lives too. We want a simple answer from God, and we want it now about whatever it is we're praying about. But you see, God sees He sees so many other things. His plan is far greater than we can even grasp. And that's why we need by faith to walk with God and to trust Him whether we understand everything or not, because God is the only one who's qualified to be God. And we need to trust him as the creator and as the God who loves every one of us. God was giving him greater insight here into his ways and his works. He was taking his servant a little deeper And showing him a little more because he wanted to know more. And I think that's a wonderful thing. When we are close enough to God and we trust him and we love him so much that we we ask him, Lord, show me a little bit more. Help me to understand a little bit greater. And I think if we ask God, he will do that. It doesn't mean he's going to say what we expect him to or give us all of the answers that we seek. But he'll show us what we need to know. He'll show us what he wants us to know. And by doing that, we believe him, we trust him. And we let him work out his plan in his own time and in his own way. And we know from Genesis 15, as you move on through Genesis and into Exodus, he fulfilled this promise, didn't he? Lots of twists and turns but he fulfilled this promise. And God will always be faithful to fulfill his promises. So how does God strengthen our faith? 
He gives us his presence. And if we ask him, and if we're, if we're willing to see it, he'll broaden our perspective and help us to see that God is at work and God's plan will be fulfilled. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for this passage of Scripture and what we can learn from it tonight. Thank you for how you dealt with your servant, Abram, and how you deal with us. Help us, Lord, to be willing to trust you and to rest in your presence. Thank you for giving us your presence. And now as we observe the Lord's Supper, we Lord, we pray you'll help us to see this ultimate example of how you came to us how you revealed your presence to us and what you did to accomplish your plan, your plan of the ages, that we might be bought back from sin and given eternal life. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. Bless this time now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.